Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet. As always, we are about 10 minutes removed from the Avalanche's 4-2 loss to the Minnesota Wild, and the vibes right now are not very good between the both of us. Christian, it is very rare that I see you, like, dejected, but we are both not too happy about this game. Yeah, I haven't felt this way since uh, Game 5 in the Cup Final. Um, I... I was, I, I had high expectations for this game. I, I really did. Um, it's a tough loss. Um, and the part that's more frustrating is I don't think the abs were outplayed in this game at all. They just beat them fucking selves. Like that's, that's the honest to God truth about it. It, it. it does it not remind you of game five against Tampa where it was like Tampa, like every mistake the abs made, it ended up in the back of the net. That was the exact same story. Obviously a completely different magnitude. Um, I think if we're recording this podcast tomorrow, uh, I think a lot of emotions have subsided and we both would be um, a little bit more realistic, but in the moment that loss fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. And things a lot and if you're a new listener who came in from the ticket giveaway i promise the show's not like this most of the time we usually have a lot more fun um there's plenty of time time. maybe we'll still end up having fun on this episode and find it all very cathartic but this one hurts a lot i hadn't felt this amped for a game probably since the final in my opinion like this game's been circled on the calendar since the last wild game especially as the wild have ran through their schedule and we've been winning our games this was just a collision we've all been waiting for and the avs they just beat themselves in this game i think you put it perfectly the wild scored four goals in this game one of them an empty netter all of them were completely preventable in this game all oh. were direct mistakes from Avs players that if they just make the correct play, the Wild do not score. And they probably end up winning this game or you at least steal a point out of it. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, that first goal of the game, uh, I Georgiev is usually so reliable with the puck uh, in his own, like when he's playing the puck. He just didn't even look over his shoulder. Um, and of course it has to be Marcus Johansson, your your just favorite player in the world to uh to uh to see on teams. Usually he plays on your favorite team, but now he's playing on the uh, the rival. Um I I, I don't know how Gurick didn't see him. It looked like we were gonna get bailed out because they missed the pass to Boldy, I believe. Um Eric's high in the slot was Eric Snack. Yeah. Eric Snack, excuse me. Um, and then I, I don't know where the abs defensemen were on this play. I, I, I don't, believe. I don't blame the defensemen on this yeah. play. I, I think the, I don't love TNT broadcast. I think they worded it correctly. It was a fire drill. No one was expecting that turnover. And within five seconds, Johansson has that puck back and puts it in the back of the net. And yeah, I mean, yeah, you want better coverage on that play, but it's just such a, Oh shit. He turned the puck over. Everyone scramble back into position. I thought they defended the pass across. Well, no one's able to get back to to Marcus Johansson on time. He puts it through Georgiev, which really did unfortunately set the tone for this game for the sloppiness of the abs. And it's one nothing Minnesota. It did it did kind of take the air out of it. 
Oh, for sure took the air because I thought the Avs had a good first couple shifts in that game. Like the the top line was looking pretty good. Uh, the second line had an adventure tonight, but they they didn't seem terrible at the beginning. Uh, but yeah, definitely took the air out of the building. Um, and it was it was just rough. It was a rough rough way to start the game. Um, and then you go later into that first period, and the penalties start flying a galore. Like there was what like a two minute stretch where there were four penalties called. <laughs> We didn't even make it the full two minutes, not even the full one minute, barely. He had the the Byram hook on Matt Boldy, which I'm going to be honest, might be one of my least favorite calls, maybe even of all time, not just because of how bad it is, but because of how good of a play it actually was from Bo Byram. A, a perfect defensive play on the pass across to Matt Boldy to break up a scoring chance. And the ref looking at the play does, not call, the penalty, does not call the penalty. The guy behind the play decides... He knows better and calls a hook when there was not even the suggestion of one, never even remotely a hook on the play. Yeah. The guy it's 90 feet away ball. called the penalty compared to the guy who was uh, who was 10 feet away. Right, like, uh-huh. do, you, do you not trust your partner to make that call? You feel like you have to step in and make that call. He's staring right at it. He's staring right at it, but it was also like they they missed a slash on Nachushkin in the first minute of the game. It literally broke Nachushkin's stick. Um, so me and you were both texting saying like, maybe this is gonna be one of those games where it's a playoff style game and it's going to have to be an egregious penalty to get a, get a power play. It was far from it in this game. There were so, it was just such a weirdly officiated game because they wanted to let the boys play, but then also some of the calls they made were just so weird. But, uh, the wild go on the power play, uh, the abs get gifted. I still, I, I know this call benefited the abs. I still think it's one of the stupidest rules in the NHL. I mean, this, this call has to go. I, yeah. the, the, who had this penalty? Joel Erickson. Yeah, it was Erickson. Does the, the one we've complained about all season yeah. long, and we have to be consistent. That's a bad call. That call should not be made. He runs into Cagliano, Cagliano and they call him for interference. It's, or Cagliano runs into him, I should say, yeah. other way around which it's Joel Erickson X ice and it's not his job to, to bend to Cogliano and move that out of the way. So already I'm feeling frustrated. Like this, this is the game we've been looking forward to all year. I really don't want it to be getting hijacked by the refs, but now it's a four on four that lasts for about 25 seconds. Lars Eller taps Freddie Goudreau on the lip, like not the worst high stick in the world. Doesn't draw any blood, but he, makes it seem apparent that he got a high stick. I mean, it's the right call, but still right call. three penalties in like a minute and three seconds. <laughs> like, come on. It, it really disrupted the flow of the game. Uh, so the abs have to kill a four on three. I thought the wild looked pretty good on this four on three. The abs get bailed out. Big save by Georgiev. Um, and Byram's coming out of the box. And it, it's, it's a lucky goal. Like we talked about before we started recording, like that happens once every like 50 games you see. Um, the Avs got lucky. Byron makes a great move, great shot. It's tied 1-1. You're thinking maybe the Avs can build off this momentum. Yeah, I mean, and the Jack Johnson passed the great heads up from him and JT Comfort to get that puck to Bo Byram coming out of the box. Like, that got me amped up right oh, yeah. after that thing. Like, okay, here we go. Tied at one. This game's not too far away from them yet. I believe that was their second shot on goal of the game. Second or third. Yeah. yeah, second or third to that point. It's 1-1, and 
before we get too deep into the dumps of this game, Bo Byram just scored his 10th goal of the season in, Crazy. in not even his 40th game of the year. What's his pace? Would he be a 20 goal scorer right now with that pace? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. This is his 35th or 36th game. He would easily yeah. be a 20 goal scorer in an 82 game season. The last I checked, he was ha- he has like 0.6 goals per game this <laughs> season, which I think <laughs> is, I'm pretty sure that's like sixth in the NHL this season of people who've played like at least 15 games. Like, you know, what's funny is, for a guy who always seems to miss the net and can't really locate a shot, the fact that he has 10 goals is hilarious. Um, because if there's one gripe you have Bo Byram with offensive, the dude misses the net all the fucking time. Um, so for him to have 10 goals, I, his shooting percentage cannot be that high. Like His shooting percentage still has to be like 11%. You'd, th- you'd think for a guy... That, oh my God, it's 15% right oh, now. So that's going to go down. However, oh. still... It's impressive that Bo Byram is going to finish this season with double-digit goals and still plenty of games to go for him to add to that total. And it's going to make the contract negotiation interesting. We can save that conversation for the future. But a full 82-game season from Bo Byram, which is what we can hope for next season, it's it's a, definitely a positive to take away from a game that's full of a lot of negative emotions. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, Bo Byram's awesome. He he's playing his way into the very likely chance that Sam Gerrard's moved this offseason. Very likely chance. That, yeah. That's how well he's playing. I mean, he's, that's nothing against Samuel Gerrard. It's just that money I would rather spend on Byram. Yeah, and there's a whole lot of cap stuff that's going to happen with the yeah. Avalanche this offseason, and with Bo Byram, he's played himself. He's proved himself to be a guy that's going to probably be the a core member of this team for the next 15 Absolutely. years along, alongside Kale McCarr on defense where guys like Gerard and eventually Devon all the guys on the defense right now are going to interchange and come and go over the next couple of years. We've seen from Bo Byram since his return that, yeah, it's not perfect yet. He's still young. They're still growing to do, but there's so much skill there and so much talent, so much, ferocity and spirit like just a guy that everyone rallies around he's going to be here for a long time and we're going to be all the better for it the guy's still 21 years old yeah very funny um but yeah he gets that goal gets his 10th of the year you're thinking the as may be able to bounce back um get some momentum off of that and this play from gerard where sam Steele scores people are going to say it's because he's small I, i just think he didn't locate the puck like yeah. it, I don't necessarily think it was because he was on. He just could not locate the puck. Um, this was in the first period, right? Still in the this first was still period. The first period. Yeah. Towards, the, towards the end of the first period, there's about four minutes left. So six minutes after the Byram goal. Yeah. And I, I don't think this was because Gerard's too small. I think it was just he could not locate the puck. And Sam Steele made a great play. Like, that was a really good goal, man. That was nasty backhand. Yeah. You, you look at that and you go like, oh, maybe you want Georgiev to make that. No, that's that's a nasty shot. That it was is, top shelf, man. That's on the defenseman. You're not yeah. expecting that as the goalie because you're expecting your defenseman to either and move stick the, in the eye or move the puck or not allow that shot to get through. Absolutely. It, it was it was like it was so nasty of a backhand. I thought we scored on ourselves because that's how that's fast what the puck I thought. Went. Too. I thought I thought Byron put that puck in his own net. Yeah, so did I. And then you watch Rip and you go, Jesus Christ, that was just a sick ass backhand. Um and people are going to trash on Gerard. They're going to because he, he makes he makes a mistake. But um I, I don't necessarily blame this on anything other than he was sloppy in his own zone. Like, yeah. it, it's not it wasn't a size thing on this play. 
No, it's you have to know where the puck is. And he, like even then, small, five ten, move the fucking guy. You're you're not four feet tall. Like you <laughs> you can move the guy. It you have a stick, use it. If you can't move him, move the puck or get in the way of the shot. It's just it's bad awareness from Sam Gerard, and it's magnified because it's Sam Gerard. Just the conversation is exhausting. We don't need to sit here and pretend that it's not. Sam Gerard is not perfect. He is not the perfect defenseman. I think five million bucks is a perfectly reasonable contract for a player like him, second pair puck moving defenseman i don't think he's worth a penny more or a penny less than that even it's just but even that this is the conversation every time something happens with sam gerard is it you gotta justify his existence which is exhausting Exhausting. but you also can't pretend he's perfect there are certain things about his game that don't work a lot of the time this is the kind of play where I don't think this happens if that's Josh Manson right there. I, I think it gets more magnified too by the fact that we talked about this on a couple episodes. Like Manson, or excuse me, Gerard and Brett Byram are not a good pair together. No, they they just not. aren't. They're they, not. they just are not a good pair together. They, um, they individually have good games, even when they are paired together. Bo Byram, the last several games, we have, we have not even mentioned the Anaheim win yet. They did win that game over Anaheim. Bo Byram was brilliant in it. Jack Johnson even scored a goal just to clear the palette of all the, the negativity real quick. Johnson did score that goal against Anaheim and Gerard did score a goal in that game as well. They have individually good games, but paired together, they're, they're just not a mix. No. And I don't blame Bednar for keeping this together while we have Manson. He has out. to. Yeah, he has to. I mean, I think Johnson and EJ together have actually been a very solid uh, third pair defensively. And maybe you can split them up and maybe it'll make things better. But do you want Jack Johnson paired with Gerard or Byron? Like it's what he did later in this game is he split up Taves and McCarr and it was McCarr and Byram on the back end for the last part of the game. I don't hate that pairing. I think Taves and Gerard work really well together. Like their games complement each other very well. And we saw it in that third period. I'm interested to see what Bednar does going forward because on Saturday it would make a whole lot of fucking sense um to split that those four up i know you don't want to split up the mccarr and taves pair but for the time being i think you kind of have to look at it that way i think when you need offense it's perfectly fine to put mccarr and byron together and we have seen in the past that gerard and taves are really good together especially Devontae's first season in colorado he played a lot of minutes with sam gerard especially ryan graves and kill mccarr yeah and when it was Graves and McCarr, and even when McCarr was out, they would play Taze and Gerard together. They were brilliant together. So it's good to know that that's at least an option if it comes to it, where the third period nuclear option like today that you can put those guys together and hope for some results. But together, Gerard and Byram, we've said this for episodes now, like it's it's just not a fit. And the thing with the thing with Manson is, is that they've said the timeline is late March. This was the last game in March. We haven't really seen Manson on the ice. We haven't seen him skate once. Yeah, which concerns me because I was going to say, hopefully we'll see him against Dallas, but I just remember we haven't seen him at all. No, it, it, it's not encouraging. Um, if he comes back before the playoffs at this point, I'd be shocked. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be shocked. Because like, they, they've said the timeline all along is late March, Yeah, which now confuses me because we they've still said the timeline is late March, like as recently as last week. So it's maybe, late March. <laughs> maybe he does, and they just haven't had him on the ice or something. Maybe he does play against Dallas, but we haven't seen anything. 
No, haven't seen anything. So I'm not highly encouraged by that. But yeah, I mean, if if Josh Manson plays in this game, he makes a huge difference. Um, I think you can say that for a lot of the apps players. You can say it for the Wild. If Kaprizov plays in this game, this game's probably a fucking blowout. Um, so the injuries isn't really an excuse in this game. Yeah. Um, I will say about Manson, though, remember his first game back last time against oh, Minnesota yeah. where he, he dominated that game and is a huge reason why we were able to steal that win in Minnesota. I imagine it would be very similar here where – when Manson comes back, we realize just how important he's become on this. Because what's he missed now? He's had to miss half the season at this point now. I would have to find that really quick, but I, I, he stopped playing in November and played a couple of games in February. I can't imagine is he would he even be over thirty? I think he's probably at like thirty-two, is what my guess would be. And I will very quickly filibuster and find out he is at twenty-seven right now <laughs> this season, <laughs> which, is, tough, which is five more than he played in the regular season for us last year has better numbers in those 27 games than he did with us in 22 last year. But Josh Manson is a very important piece on this back end. If for nothing else is that he allows us to roll out optimal pairings. He does. He allows us to roll up in my parent. And we saw him and Byram together are so fucking they, good. They're so fucking good together. Those two together are the perfect mix of a second pair where both of them are ferocious but have different enough skill sets that they can work with each other where Manson knows he's the guy that has to stay back. Byram can help lead the rushes and neither of them take any shit. No, no, I'm taking it. Josh Manson is better offensively than we give him credit for. He's he's perfectly fine offensively, especially when he's with Bo Byram. Yeah. I I miss Josh Manson. I I miss, I miss, I miss him a lot. I miss a lot of freaking players on this team, man. It's getting annoying. Yeah. It's getting sad, but, uh, Going to the second period, you're thinking the Avs played pretty shitty in that first period. If they can come out in the second period and at least clean up some mistakes, they can still win this game. Like yeah. that was still my feeling going into that second period. Like Absolutely. we played, we played like shit, and we're only down by one. Um, well, even then, and- you look at the last several games. Like the Avalanche haven't had great first periods a lot of the time. Like even against the Ducks, which I don't even know. If, I don't even know if we're gonna end up talking about that game at this point. We'll see where this episode ends up going, but. The first period didn't start all that well for the Avs. They got scored on first, but they got better towards the very end. And that's been the case for a lot of their games lately, where that starts okay most of the time, if not even boring, like the games against Arizona. Mm-hmm. But then in the second period, they just roll right over them. And roll right over them. I was expecting in this. I was expecting that too. And the second period was probably honestly worse than the first period. Like it was, it was, it was bad, dude. Um, Georgiev made some big saves in that second period. Uh, he, I know Georgiev isn't stat line isn't going to look great in this game, but he made a couple big saves to keep the abs even in this game. Like there were points in that second period where the abs were just getting absolutely cycled to death. Like the wild, like I, I don't want to give the wild like any compliments, but they're a good fucking hockey team, dude. Yeah. Well, they're a, they're a good team, man. And they're without Kaprizov and they're playing their best hockey of the year without Kaprizov. Ever, um, ever since we beat them in regulation in Minnesota, they have lost one regulation game, and it was to Boston. Boston, yeah. And it, it was that twenty-one games. Yeah, like the, Minnesota's a good fucking hockey team, and they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. You, you, uh, you have to upgrade them to Stanley Cup contender because they very well so. might, they very well might come out of the West if they're playing like this. I agree. When they get Kaprizov back if they keep this goaltending in the playoffs, where both Flurry and Gustafson are nine twenty-five plus. 
absolutely yeah. they're contenders. You have to give them that credit. Yeah. And I hate saying that, but it's the truth. Um, and the, the wild dominated that first portion of the second period, they cycled him to death. The, the Avs second line was abysmal tonight. They, they were so bad. Like, JT Comfer and Alex Newhook and Evan Rodriguez, like you could tell they were trying, but nothing was clicking for them. They were outmatched. Yeah, I I don't remember one, like I think Newhook had a couple chances off a of face-off, but they could not get anything going in the offensive zone. Um, and if you want to point out anything, it's yeah, the injuries to the second line are brutal because it, if you add fucking Landy back, Lecky back, you have a solid top six. But without those two, you're you're plugging holes right now. Um, and the Wild took advantage of it. I, I thought they thoroughly dominated the Avs' second line tonight. And um, it was tough. It was a tough one. The Avs get a power play in that second period. And remember, I'm going to preface this by saying the Avs' power play has been phenomenal. Their 12-game goal streak gets broken in this game. But this power play in the second period was one of the worst they've had all year, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it barely even got started before this was a two-goal lead for Minnesota where the puck comes back to Kale McCarr back at the point and he just kind of missed it and overskated the other way. I don't know if there was something up with his skates because his skating just seemed off all night and every time they cut him on his, the bench, he's getting his skates adjusted. But this play, uh, Freddie Gaudreau gets the feed from Jonas Brodin for a clear-cut breakaway. And makes it three to one shorthanded for the wild with more than half of the game to go. You're like, shit, that might be it. Like I, you're not putting, are you going to put three in a row past Gustafson in this game? Maybe, but maybe. you need one very quickly, <laughs> very quickly. And you thought maybe they can get one going on the power. Play. That, like I said, that power play was abysmal. Like they, it, it took them till their third power play to get their first shot on goal. I think yeah. they had one shot on goal on the power play this evening. Yeah. And it was the, the, the third one of the game, like you yep. said, like where they give up this shorthanded goal early in the power play. Like it's not like it was with five seconds left. They had pretty much the entire power play to work with. And this was such a net gain for the wild to take that penalty where they get a goal out of it and all of the momentum right after, because the power play after being so good, the last several games in this game outside of, I'd say a decent third opportunity was completely useless. It was lifeless. It was lifeless. Um, while we're blocking a ton of shots, Miko Rantanen missed the net, I think like three or four times. <laughs> like it, it was it was just a tough game for the Avs star players. Um, and it's rough to have that in this big of a big of a game. But you go into the third period down three one. I my hopes were not high. Um, but I will say if I'm gonna take anything positive from this game, I, I tweeted it out. The Avs need to have a good third period. Like we're gonna see a lot of what this team's made of. And in that third period, I know the Wild weren't pressing. They, they were playing their shell. But the abs came out, and they actually had some life. And it makes it a little more frustrating because, like, if you would just play this way the whole fucking game, you'd be fine. Yeah, it reminds me of early in the season where they would only show up for the third period and try to come back from these multi-goal deficits where you just don't make one of those mistakes, where Georgiev doesn't have that turnover, or Gerard cleans that out, or McCard just gets that puck. Just one of those things doesn't happen give a tie game because you played great in the third period. Gustafson was fantastic for the wild to, to keep the puck out of the net. You outshoot them 19 to four in the third and several great chances. Ranton and hits a post. You have the, the third power play, which I thought was without question, their best of the game because the other ones absolutely stunk. So low bar to clear, 
But this one, I thought at least was threatening and they had chances. Gustafson at least had to make stops. And if just one of those things doesn't happen earlier, you're at least getting a point out of this game. And it's at least an easier pill to swallow than, than losing in regulation. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was tough, but I will say like that third period, I was like, okay, like they've woken up. It's too little too late, but it at least gives me some positive momentum going into Saturday's game against Dallas um, because the abs Gustafson was good in this game. He made a couple big saves in that third period. The abs had like, I think at one point they had like eight scoring chances to zero and Gustafson stopped all eight. Like that's just, that's good goaltending. I mean, the wild against the abs this year have had absolute dog shit goaltending. And that's the only reason why the abs have beat them twice. Yeah. Uh, and they got competent goaltending and they were able to win this game. Yeah, they, they got a 955 from Gustafson tonight. Some I didn't even I didn't even realize the abs finished with 44 shots in this game. <laughs> 44 29 in shots makes this look like lopsided and that the the abs got goalied in this game, which I you can argue they did, but that's not the reason they lost this game. They gave this game to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, 44 29 in shots feels a little disingenuous. But yeah. You look at the first game against Minnesota with Gustafson and Nett. I I don't remember seeing a worse goaltending performance in my life from start to finish than Gustafson in that game. That was maybe used to standing in against the game against the Devils. Maybe <laughs> even then, like it's not like he's tried to stop a clearing attempt from center ice and just gave a rebound right to right. a Devils player like Gustafson did in that game. And Flurry in the second matchup was horrible, and Georgiev was phenomenal. The only reason we walked out of Minnesota with a big three-two win. And this is the first time they got not better than competent. They got fantastic goaltending. And now they're walking out of there with a big 2-1 win on the road for them. And big lead in the Central now, three points. You get a goal from Lars Eller with about six minutes left to play in the third. And you're still feeling it. The abs are still pressing. Just just wasn't enough. Just wasn't enough. Um we talked about the second line. Lars Eller was playing the second line at the end of this game. <laughs> and he deserved to. He, he deserved to, but that shows you how just rough the uh, the bottom six and, well, bottom nine was for the abs in this game. Um, but that was a beautiful play. Like, Gerard made up for his mistake. Beautiful pass to Taves. Taves hits Eller. Like, it was a perfect goal. Um, and you think the abs have momentum. Uh, there is some controversy, if you want to call it, Uh Abs scoring them probably, what, like a minute later. The Wild are making a change. Ryan Hartman goes to pick up the stick. The puck hits him always on the ice. It's it's very clearly uh, too many men on the ice. Um, but the refs get together and say it was an unintentional play. And I loved your tweet saying, like, aren't all penalties unintentional? <laughs> right. Like 99% of penalties in the in sports, not even just hockey, in sports are inadvertent i forget right. i forget who the rules analyst is on tnt something meyer things brad meyer is brad it? Meyer. yeah just says like yeah, it was inadvertent they have too many men on the ice but you know it's an inadvertent play he gets tangled up he drops his stick like when the hell has that ever mattered yeah it's, 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 it should I, have been a penalty clear as day because they had too many men on the ice so therefore too many men on the ice should have been called. Stop me if this is getting confusing or something. I, because apparently this is a thing that's in question ever. Yeah. I, I I just love it because it, having these rules analysis that are former reps on these broadcasts they're always yes, cracks me up. Like, because they're not going to talk trash about their friends. Oh. <laughs> 
Why would they do that? No, I, I have never heard any of these rules analysts just say, yeah, that's a bad call. They definitely fuck that one up. They're like, yeah, well, this they're yes men. They're there to agree with the refs and take the brunt of the heat off of them after the game because the NHL twists itself into a pretzel to defend their refs at all times. But if not for the delay of game with under a minute left on the wild, this probably would have been the first thing we talked about in this game just because of how bad of a missed call it was. But you can't even be upset about it because the Avs got their power play later off of a missed call. The I believe it was the Spurgeon. Uh, Spurgeon who put the puck out of play, but it goes off the boards and out of play, which is not delay of game. And they got that one wrong. So but the rules analyst said JT Comper was in the way. So that's why the linesman saw it that way. So, right. I mean, like, so therefore, <laughs> they, they still cannot do yeah. it. It's still the player's fault. They just yeah. can't do anything wrong. Well, and it's like, it, it's, we're not going to come on here and bash the rest because that's just. No, I have no, pro- I have no problem coming on yeah. here. And Listen to previous episodes. Favorite activity. I would have loved, I think if the, we got that power play with like four minutes left in the game, I think we probably tie it because that oh, the yeah. abs had all the momentum. That's, um, that's the part that pissed me off the most. Thank yeah. you for reminding me of this because not only do they not call the penalty, they stop the game to review it and talk about it. after initially calling the penalty. Right. I don't know how they take that back. I didn't know this was reviewable. They it wasn't st- reviewable. It was just yeah. a discussion. They just they just changed their mind for some reason. They have the discussion and they talk about it for like a solid two minutes. Remember that Lars Eller has just scored and all of the momentum is now on the Avalanche who are very capable of scoring one goal in six minutes. And they just stop the game and talk about it. And not only do they not call the penalty, they go to commercial break. So now the Wild just get like a free five-minute break to completely reset themselves and completely reset the momentum of the game. That's the part to me that pissed me off the most. Not only do you take back the penalty that should have been called, you completely stopped the game and allowed the Wild to catch their breath after a, a huge goal to cut that lead to one. Yeah, huge goal. It, it, it sucks. I mean, uh, that's just, uh, you know what? We're going to call ourselves Tampa fans. We're even. We're even. Like, we, we got away with too many men in the uh, Stanley Cup final. We're even. I'll, get, I'll give you that. We're even. I don't, right? think, I don't think they take that trade. No, they don't take that well. But we're even. We're even, man. We're fucking even. I don't, th- I don't uh, think they feel that way. No, they absolutely do not feel <laughs> that way. But um, it, 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 it was a... It was a very controversial call, uh, but like I said, the Avs get a power play with 50 seconds left, and you can't gripe about it anymore because they missed that call too. Yep. So, um, and they you got, have they your got chance. Power play. They had a six on four with less than a minute left, first place in the division on the line, and it took 19 seconds for them to fuck it up entirely, and it goes into the empty net for the dagger. So you you can't even be mad about that call anymore because you got your power play. You had your chance, and it took 19 seconds. And you got one shot. Yeah, Gustafson made a great save. I thought Val made a great tip on the play. Um, as my dog tries to get into her food, um, but um, he made a great save, and it's four two. Goudreau gets his second of the game, and we end up losing four four two, and fall the way to third uh, because I believe the Stars have more regulation wins than the Avs. Is that the reason why they're ahead of us? Well, we had the advantage because of games in hand. We had one mm-hmm. game in hand. The Stars were idle today. And so now with the tiebreaker of regulation wins and games in hand now gone, the Avs are now in third and we'll play Dallas on Saturday. So you get the chance to get that back right away. But when it comes to winning the division, 
it does not get much of a bigger blow than this because now it is completely out of your hands. It's out of your hands, but it's three points, right? Or is it four? Three? three. Yeah. Three. Vegas, I mean, Minnesota plays Vegas on a like home and home, right? Yes. So there's a good likelihood that the abs after Saturday could be one point back again uh, with a favorable schedule, but you're, you're running out of runway here. Like it, it's, it, it's minuscule now at this point. Um, there's still a chance because the abs do have a pretty light schedule to end the year. Um, but it's gotten a lot shorter of a runway. You, you need, if you don't win on Saturday against Dallas, you can just write that off. Like it's not happening. It's not ha- If you can't beat Dallas on Saturday, this is not happening. And the best you can hope for is one of those teams falls off along the way and you get home ice in the first round. Cause what did I just say about the wild? They don't lose lately. The games they have lost have been in overtime and shootouts where they lost a shootout to Philly and then riled off three in a row against Chicago, Seattle, and now Colorado. Well, sorry if I don't feel like Vegas is all of a sudden going to rattle off two against them. And then Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Chicago, Winnipeg, Nashville is going to be their, their downfall. They've, they've got the inside track now. They got their huge win. They don't have to play us or Dallas again this season. So they're in a, they're in a damn good spot at the moment. In a damn good spot. And I don't know. It's, it's tough right now. Um, But how are there no games next Friday? What the fuck are we doing in HL? No, no NHL games next Friday, Friday, April 7th. There are zero games. Yeah. We're going to get off track for a quick second. The, I looked at the end of, the season schedule is got to be one of the lamest ones I've ever seen. There's no huge games at the end of the season. Nope. It's just (laughs) way to go NHL, but we're going to have every team play on one day because that's what the fans want. Yeah, We will save that one for the end just because that is hilarious. That tweet that came out yesterday, but even still it's a little disappointing because a week ago you played Pittsburgh at home. And if you won that game, you would have taken sole possession of first in the central would have just been symbolic because both the Wild and the Stars won the next day, I believe. So, But even still, a week later, you are playing Minnesota, who is one point ahead of you. If you win this game, you have sole possession of first in the Central. Lost both. Like that, and, and pretty, like, shitty efforts in both games. In both where you're just like, ah, it's not their night. Where a lot of games this month against playoff teams, you just said, man, it's just not their night. Which is really disappointing. I think I had someone tweeted at me. I have no idea if it's true or not. I'm believing the internet, but we've been outscored eight, uh, 32 to 18 in games against playoff teams this month. I mean, if you want to give me a second to do the math, I certainly yeah. can see. But that, that that was the – I'm believing the internet. I'm trusting my, my the guy who responded to me. I mean, I, I have um, the schedule in front of me. I can check. It's also the guy who said I was high during uh, my post-game video. I promise you I'm not high. Um, uh, it's just uh, – yeah – it's not been great against playoff teams. I mean, you got to give the guys credit. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. But if you're a Stanley Cup contender, you need to win some of these games. And these games have been at home, too. Like, you have home ice, and you're getting outplayed. What did you What did you say it was? 32 to 18. Well, he was right about the 32. I'm not going to do the other math. But we have given up 32 goals to playoff yeah. teams. So. It's not great, man. And yeah. you have a couple more big ones because you got Dallas on Saturday. You have the Kings. Uh, that Kings game is going to be very interesting next Saturday. Very, yeah. very interesting next Saturday. I do, I do love how much we talked up the Kings last episode, oh, yeah. and then they immediately gave up six goals to the Blues. Still ended up winning that game and then lost 2-1 to Calgary just because yeah. everything 
I say, just immediately flips. Because yeah, we missed the other team. Yeah, the Kings started getting good after I said they were going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens, man. That's, what that's, happens. Why, you that's speak, why we're not you professional. Speak into a live mic and the hockey gods go bet and snap yeah. their fingers because it makes yeah. you look stupid. And, oh, and, I, am, and I am stupid. I'm not going to argue I'm not, but geez, give me a break. You can say the same thing about me. I said uh, the Ducks game was going to go to overtime and we were going to beat the Wild 4-1. to one. So I was just drastically wrong on both of those ones. So if you're coming to the show for smart, hot, like great what? takes, you found the wrong show. What do right? you people come here for? Yeah. Honest question. Fuck final, man. Like we're, we are not smart. What are you guys uh, doing? Yeah. We have we to listen to each other. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Um, but yeah, we are not smart and we do not claim to be smart. Um, but do you have any other thoughts about this wild game? Other oh, than I've, that, that I've got thoughts about the wild game. Not all of them are very nice, but I definitely have thoughts about this wild game. It's, it's just disappointing this month where the Avs have had a good month, when, good month when they have been beating up on bad teams. They've won every game they've supposed to this month. They do not have a bad loss this month against a team that they should beat. All teams below the playoff line, they've beaten most of the time, absolutely smoked. And they've won one game against a playoff team this month in Toronto in a 2-1 shootout win that could have gone either way. No matter how you slice that, it's like you took care of business, but you haven't been able to pull one out since. Your your last statement was against Vegas, which was a fantastic game. They made some great statements late in February and in most of February. But in March, in big games, the, you can argue some of their worst games have been against Dallas, a very, very sloppy game. And this one against Minnesota, where they had a chance. Like, this was a very good playoff-style game. And if you don't make those mistakes, you might walk out of here with two points. Completely agree. I mean, that that was our first really, like, experience of playoff hockey. Like, I had the pregame nerves of a playoff oh, hockey yeah. game. I, this, I was feeling this one all day. Like, I got my Stanley Cup shirt and hat on right now. I've had them on all day where I'm sitting there, I'm watching the Caps, and I'm like, can we – hurry this up please like we don't need to be doing this right now and of course that one goes to a shootout and it's like god this is so annoying but the game starts and it was just like it felt flat it just felt like the wild wanted it a little more do you think it has something to do like i know bednar said they have trouble getting up for games but i feel like this is one of those games there's not there's no excuse for that in this game there's none for that and i think bednar if you look at his post game quotes I think he was upset by this game and the no-shows from people in this game because the quotes that uh, Peter Ball tweeted out about half an hour ago says, first one from Bednar, I think we had some passengers the first period plus. Next one, that's a little bit of a heartbreaker because it's on us. Basically saying, we fucked that one up. We made those mistakes. We could have had that one. That's about as brutally honest as you'll hear, Jared. Oh, and and this is another one. Bednar didn't call anyone out by name but said this wasn't referencing the top guys. How will he address it with the players he called passengers one-on-one? Hasn't talked to them yet, but they're going to find out. So if you're getting called in the Jared Bednar's office tomorrow, um, yeah, you're not going to have a good time. There's going to be some players. I, I think Alex Newhook might be one of them. Dennis Mulligan did not have a good game tonight. Cogliano got hurt, but I don't think he played like the last like seven minutes of the yeah, game. He came back because yeah. I don't think that I don't think that guy really feels pain all that much. I don't think if if he has flesh, I don't he just doesn't feel anything in it. I think most of him is just robotic parts anyway. He just has to make sure they're not broken before he steps back onto the ice again. Can't short wire. <laughs> yeah. It's just like they just change out his parts and send them back onto the ice. But there were 
Bednar is right. There were passengers in this game. And I know he wasn't referring to the top guys, but they had some good shifts. But there were points in this game where they just did not look great. Kale McCarr had that turnover or just overskated that puck on the third goal. He also had a turnover against the Ducks that led to the Ducks' only goal of that game. I don't know if there's something up with his skates, like I was oh. saying earlier. For it's, Dude, it's, he's just washed, man. He's washed. He's bad. He's bad. <laughs> Oilers fans who watch this game will tell you. Kale McCarr has to be the most random player that people prey on his downfall. Like, oh, the, yeah. like the nicest person on the planet. It's oh, just yeah. it's the weird. It, you know what the problem is? It's Oilers and Rangers fans who are very kind and understanding people that would never harass anyone ever. 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 You're completely right there. They would never harass. They no. they would never they would never tweet no, out a statement about about how a, a hockey play resulted in uh, a death of another player almost with what Tom Wilson did to Artemi Panarin. They would never do that. No, they would they would never overreact to anything. No. And Oilers fans are definitely still not upset they got swept by a better. I team. get Oilers fans being mad. I get that. Like that's that, that's fair. I'll give like I, I think honestly, you honestly give no. You don't. I don't want to hear your attitude. Win something and then talk. Like you're just annoying and you're jealous. Fair. I mean and they are for, jealous. And for Rangers fans, it's I don't even know what your fucking problem is. Like Adam Adam Fox is allowed to be good and not be better than Kale McCarr. I don't I don't understand the problem there. We play you twice a year. Go away. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the apt, opt-in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. We've already seen plenty of upsets happen so far in March Madness as we reach the Sweet 16. All the more reason to get in on the action at DraftKings Sportsbook. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, just put a bow tie on this game. It was uh, not the app's best performance. Um, Got to bounce back Saturday against the Stars. Um and yeah, you can't have passengers. I, I think Bednar put it perfectly. Like there were way too many points in this game where it just felt like we were going through, like it looked like a practice for the Avs sometimes. Um, so yeah, definitely need better performance out of those guys. I would not want to be the guys that at practice tomorrow. I would not. That's not going to be fun practice. Because <laughs> I think Bednar was expecting a lot better in this game. Mm-hmm. I think Bednar was just like the rest of us where he's watching this going, what the hell are some of you guys doing out here? Like Bednar is a smart guy. Obviously he understands the game. He understands his team. I think he was just as confused as anyone to see the lack of execution in an important game like this. Cause I know it's the regular season, but this is as close to the playoffs as you're going to get in the regular season outside of like the St. Louis game a couple of years ago, where it was literally win and you're in basically a playoff game. 
for when you're not actively fighting for your playoff lives, this is as close as it gets. And Dallas is a huge game, but it's still not as big as this one because Minnesota's ahead of you right now. The game against Dallas is probably more likely at this point going to be for home ice in the first round. 100%. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be for home ice. And I I don't know. Like, would you rather face Dallas or Minnesota? I, I don't know if I'd want to face either right now, honestly. <laughs> Dallas right now, the way Minnesota's playing, I I need to see a team take chunk out of them in the first round first. If Dallas doesn't take a first chunk out of us in a playoff series, sure. Because TNT was saying like I don't want to play Ottinger in the first round. No, <laughs> yeah, like Dallas is not an easy out. Or I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how we match up against them. Our first two games against Dallas went really well. Our last one didn't. This one's going to be at home. Again, and if they if they don't show up for this one, if if this if this is another empty showing for the Avs, we might see the first time Jared Bednar's face actually goes red. Oh yeah, he is going to be fucking pissed. Oh, he's busting out the burgundy suit for this game. Oh yeah, burgundy suit's coming out. He'll hide the hide the anger on his face. Honestly, the Avs might crush the Stars in this game just because of the reaming that Jared Bednar is going to give this team over the next several days and the opportunity that they wasted in this game. They're going to have the fear of God struck into them by Jared Bednar. If they have a slow start against Dallas, he's going to start grabbing players by their jerseys and shaking them. (laughs) He probably will. But um, let's, let's quickly talk about the uh, Anaheim game Uh, happened on Monday night. Uh, went about as good as you can expect it to go for the Avs. Um, they fall down early, one nothing, And like you said, they started off pretty slow, but th- they woke up. Bo Byram gets his ninth of the year in that game. Looked like LC tipped it. Um, tied 1-1. Nathan McKinnon, late in the first period, just undresses the Ducks defense. Like the Ducks in this game, I don't think a team's more ready for the offseason than they were. Like the Avs just yeah. easily recycling the puck. The Ducks are bad. Like that is a bad hockey team. They've quit. They've quit. Like they have no interest in the rest of this season. I I was struck by the fact that they just gave us so much space. If you want polar opposite teams, look at the Ducks and look at the Wild and how tight they play. The Ducks, I I tweeted this out. The Avs could have set up a tent and could have been roasting s'mores this entire game in the offensive zone with the amount of space the Ducks were giving them in the offensive zone. And it helps when Nathan McKinnon just embarrasses John Gibson on this play. And you feel bad for Gibson in this oh, game. Yeah. He, he's cheating on this play because he does not trust his defenseman mm-hmm. at all. He does not trust the guys in front of him that have left him out for 50 plus saves a game multiple times this season. So obviously he's cheating out on this play. And then McKinnon embarrasses him with eight seconds left to give the abs uh, the late lead. You go to the second period, one of the better feel-good moments of the season, Jack Johnson finally gets a puck to go. For the first time since his first game as an Av against Chicago, What I will never get over this goal. It was a fucking breakaway. Yeah. How did that even happen? One of the prettiest goals of the year. To get a breakaway. But this one, far different, a shot from the point, avoids anyone and anything in its way and gets through Gibson to make it 3-1. to one. So good to see Jack Johnson back on the board again. And I think it's a good time to have the conversation about Jack Johnson. We were unsure when we acquired him. Anglin seemed like a lot to give up. Jack Johnson has been everything he's needed to be here. He has been reliable, consistent, 
And I can't, I can't really even name a play where I'm like, oh, Jack Johnson needs to be better on this. He's done his job almost perfectly. He's done his job almost perfectly. I, I, I tweeted out that like analytically, he was having one of the worst seasons of all time. Wasn't even uh, close either. Yeah, it wasn't even close. But I think since he's been here, I completely agree with you. He's done everything we've asked him to do. Um, he gets a goal. Like he's, he's just what Bednar said. He's just a reliable guy. Like he's not gonna make a game breaking play to get you back in the game, but he's going to give you a solid 10, 12 minutes on the ice. And that's what the abs needed. And he's, I think he's better on the PK than England. I think he's a better PK guy. I think he's, um, I think he's done everything better than England, honestly, maybe, he's except, done everything. maybe except like the fighting aspect. England was a, a threat to kick your ass if you started getting chippy, but Jack Johnson, I, he's just been a better defenseman. I'd say in almost every way. There's not a, like, if everything aligns for the abs and Jack Johnson is your seventh defenseman going into the playoffs again, you're feeling pretty damn good. Like, I think, I think he's making an argument to stay in. Really? Who Between, do you think I, they've been? Well, I, th- I mean, I think he and EJ might alternate in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. He, Jack Johnson, again, I can't believe we're having this conversation for the second straight year. And th- this is not to say Eric Johnson has been at all bad since his return. He's been great, but I just think Jack Johnson has been so reliable. And in this game against Minnesota, he was good. Like he was good, but I I think we saw in the playoffs last year, it's a little bit different. So, I mean, I feel comfortable having him as the seventh D. I think think the point I'm trying to make is that I wouldn't be surprised if he rotates in a couple of games. Game one starter, no. But you know there's going to be an injury that happens. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's the abs. Someone's going to get hurt along the way. It might be EJ, might be Gerard, might be McCarr for all we know. Like someone's going to get hurt along the way. You're going to need Jack Johnson to come in and be a steadying presence. And if there's a guy on the defense who's just not performing, you can throw him in. There might there might be a game where you have 70 and they might throw Jack Johnson in there. I would not be surprised at all if that's if that's the case because he's just been so reliable for yeah. us. I- and would you I, I you bring that up? I don't think that's outside the realm of possibilities. They go eleven forward seventy. I really don't because it's not like I mean what we've seen from Morgan and Newhook these past couple games. Like if if you tell me that we bench one of those guys for a seventh D man on there, fuck yeah, I don't see why not. We don't do that. Like you know McKinnon, uh, if Landis Cog's back, like those lines are going to play twenty three minutes a fucking night. Like what's another minute for them spread out evenly? Right. So if if we're getting to the point of a series, like let like let's say we're down in a series and you you just need to lean on your stars more i wouldn't be surprised if they're throwing 70 out there without a doubt without a doubt um but yeah jack johnson gets that goal awesome moment gives the abs a 3-1 lead uh and then like we said the star like the stars i wish the stars would quit the ducks i don't know like they're literally just going through the motions. Like if I gave that type of performance at my job, I'd be fired. <laughs> because... They're there for the paycheck. And again, yeah. this is a goal from Val Nachushkin that I just feel really bad on because it's Nathan McKinnon just giving him active nightmares on the ice where he's not going to let that goal happen again, where he's get caught, gets caught cheating and McKinnon just beats him clean. He's waiting for that shot from McKinnon and Val Nachushkin's just right there. Right. Because if he makes the play that he did the first time on McKinnon, he makes the save. But McKinnon knows he's not going to do that twice. So he just threads a perfect pass to Nachushkin, and it's 4-1. to If there was ever a doubt in this game after the first goal, it was gone very early in the second period. And I have to be completely honest, I don't remember anything else about this game. 
other than the last Gerard goal. I mean, yeah, nothing else really. Like no one, I don't think anyone got hurt. Uh, the power play streak was extended thanks to Samuel Gerard. Just gives he has a five one lead, and it's just like let's just cruise control. Um, I was a little surprised that Bednar was still throwing out the top guys in the last five minutes. I was a little surprised on the second half of back to back. We did we we've talked this whole game. We've got Jonas Johansson started in this game, and in his yeah. two games, JoJo has been serviceable for your third string goalie. Um, I think everyone was a little surprised it's not Keith Kincaid and it is Jonas Johansson, but in the two games he's played, he's been solid. Like he's given the Avs a chance to win. He's nowhere near a starter in the NHL, but doesn't have to be. He's serviceable. And I think I think they're very comfortable with that now, where you throw him in on the second half of a back-to-back, the first game he played against Ottawa, where they gave him five goals, and he gave them a win. He gave them a massive save in the closing seconds to keep them in the lead and made big saves throughout that game as well. All the goals that happened in Ottawa, not his fault. Not like, oh, that's your third strain, letting in a bad goal. And the only goal against Anaheim, like that was that was on the defense. That wasn't on him. Again, gave him five goals to work with this time. That, that is a third-string goalie's dream to give him yeah. that much to work with. And he's just done his job. When you when you have your third-string goalie in, where you have your backup goalie out for such an extended period of time, you're just saying, just don't give up anything stupid. Like, don't, don't give up a point shot. Don't give up, like, a shot down the wing. We'll give you goals. We'll help you out. Just don't give up anything dumb and we'll, we'll figure it out for you. That's what Jojo's done. If anything, he's done more than that, even where the ducks, they put up 30 shots against him. Like this wasn't like a 17 save performance for him. He had to make 29 saves in this game and he was very good. I I've been very impressed by him. Both games. I've been uncomfortable with him starting, but he's obviously not going to, Let's see, that that's now we're in the danger zone where we're not like now next time he plays, we're gonna be like, oh, he's got this, and that's when he's gonna have the blow up game. <laughs> that's that's what's gonna happen. I don't know if he plays again this year, if I'm being honest. We have, um, we have one more back to back, and if Frankie's not back, he'll probably do the exact same thing he already did and play against the Ducks. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if he got one of the Sharks games too. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, I, I shout out JoJo, the most disrespected goalie in the NHL, and he's two and zero this year. With like what, I mean, like a he, I mean, he just came in here with disrespect. I I never remember the name of the Buffalo reporter who just called him like the worst goalie of all time. Like that is so disrespectful. Yeah. And it, it's great to see that JoJo thrives here and has carved out a role in the organization for himself. He's the third string goalie that in a pinch, you can throw him out there and he's, he's going to give you stops. Is he a star? Is he even a backup? No, no. But you throw him in there on the second half of a back-to-back against a bad team, and he gives you a chance. That's all you need. All you need, and you lived up to expectations. Abs get the win, 5-1. to one. Um, That game would have been a lot more fun to talk about if we would have won tonight, but um, that was kind of the jazz of it. Um, so we look forward. The Abs get a rare two days off, which seems like in the late part of the season as an eternity. Um and they go face the Stars. The Stars are playing on the second half of back-to-back. Uh, I believe they played the Coyotes before. Yes, they're in Arizona playing the Coyotes at 10.30 Eastern time, and they'll be back 9 o'clock Eastern time the next night to play the Avs in Dallas. So or in Colorado. In Colorado. In Colorado. Um, like you said, if the Avs don't win this game 5-1 to one or way wow. bigger – we, we we got some problems because I don't, I don't give a shit how you win. There's no excuse to lose this game whatsoever. 
There, you yeah. should have plenty of motivation, and the team you're playing is going to be tired. I do not want to hear anything. There, this better be a great performance. It has to be. It has to be. And I'm, I've calmed down a little bit from the game. I, I think we're going to see a much different performance uh, from the Abs. I think they're going to play a full sixty minutes. I think Kale McCarr is going to have a massive game. Um, I think the Avs win this game. Uh, I'm not going to say they win in a blowout just because the Stars have a lot to play for in this game too. It's not like the Avs are just going to be able to walk all over them. You'd have to imagine it's Ottinger in the net. Like it's going, to. it is going to be Jake Ottinger. They would be utterly insane to play him against Arizona. Yeah, like it, it's going to have to be. Um, so you got to take advantage of it, and you got embarrassed by this team last time you played them. You got yeah. embarrassed, flat out embarrassed. Um, so you need to have a bounce back game. I think the Avs win this game. I think it's low scoring. I'm going to say two, one. I really do. Yeah. I I think it's going to be four to two in this game, maybe throwing an empty netter for the Avs as well. I think the Avs also in this game against the wild couldn't get bounces their way. We didn't mention Miko Ranton ringing one clean off the post. Several chances where McKinnon almost had some tap-ins off some loose rebounds. I think they're due a couple of bounces to go their way in this game against Dallas. I will say though, there is the opportunity for them to get very frustrated in this game. If it doesn't start going their way early in this one, following this game, knowing the amount of pressure that's going to be on them internally from Bednar, there is definitely a chance they can get very frustrated in this game, but we're going to find out how they respond to adversity late in the season. And in a big game, I'm expecting a big performance from them. I think they're going to win this game because there is no other choice here. You have to win this game. Losing this game, you could win every game the rest of the season after this. It will not matter if you lose both of these games to Minnesota and Dallas, because that sends a wrong message to the players and to the fan base that these are the two teams you are going to be competing against if you do not take the top spot in the Central. You're going to be playing both of these teams, and you were no-shows in massive games in your last games against either of them. Yeah, because if you look at the rest of the Avs schedule, you got Dallas, you got the Kings on next Saturday, and then Edmonton and Winnipeg are your three, four last games against playoff opponents. Nashville, I know, still has a chance, but... They're not going to make it. Yeah, they're not going to make it. So you have four more opportunities against playoff teams to right the ship. Um, man, that game against Edmonton on... Tuesday the 11th is going to be fucking awesome. That's going to be a great game. Um, but I, I think they bounce back. I really do. Um, I still have faith in this team. Uh, it's a frustrating game against Minnesota, but it's so hard to critique the abs right now because they're going to be a completely different team if everyone shows up game one of the playoffs. Yeah. Like I mean, they're going to be a completely different team. <laughs> That's the thing about this team is that we act like they're the same team as last year. They have not had Gabe Landeskog once. And he's skating. He's he's going to be back before the playoffs. At yes. very least, game one of the playoffs, he's going to play. That is, I fully believe that, that he's going to play game one of the playoffs. You don't have Artari Lekkinen. He's, he's skating today, though. He was skating today. He was skating. And you no don't stick. have Josh Manson. You don't have Josh Manson. Those are massive players for this team. Guys that really help out in a lot of areas. If you have all three of those guys in this game, I really do think that changes things. Like my I that's just the last thing I hold on to with this team. Like, yeah, they're not the same team as last year. That's impossible for them to be the same team as last year and be as good as they were last year. 
until I see Landeskog on the ice and how it affects this team, I still believe this team can do it. Because the last thing I saw of Gabe Landeskog in an Avs jersey was him hoisting the Stanley Cup. And him being a massive contributor in the playoffs and scoring 30 goals in the regular season last year, not even playing the full 82. And Josh Manson, when he's been back on this team, has been excellent. Arturi Lekkinen finished with a 20-goal season and would have finished well above 50 points if he didn't break his hand in the game against the Habs. You get those guys back. This is such a different team and a much better team. It, it still makes them the favorites in the West. There's no question about that. I think it pushes them over the top to beat Dallas and to beat Minnesota and whoever comes out of the Pacific. Boston? I don't I mean, know, but it's not, a, it's not a guarantee that Boston makes the Stanley Cup final, so you can't yeah. bank on that. I, be, I still believe in this team. Until I see them come out flat in a game like that, which would be the playoffs uh, with Gabe Landeskog in the lineup, I, I still believe they're going to do it. The leadership qualities that Landeskog brings are so important to this team, and I think that's where they've they've I think that's what they've missed the most this season more than anything is Landeskog being on the bench and driving them through situations like this, where I don't think they lose this game last year at not even close. They game like it reminded me of Boston last year in Colorado where they were down and Landeskog's a big part of driving that comeback back. So until Gabe is back, I just can't stop myself from believing in them. And just seeing games like this as, yeah, well, you don't have your freaking captain. It's it's definitely a big question mark, but it's hard to critique this team when they have not been fully complete the entire year. Um, not even close. Yeah. They haven't had Landis God for one game. The healthiest they've been was Chicago, game one of the season. And after yeah. that, everything has just kind of been downhill. There's always been at least one other important player missing. Yeah, and that's a story for a lot of teams in the NHL. But the Avs, the Avs, it, it's tough right now. Um, I I completely agree with you though that if Landeskog's back for Game One and Lekkinen's back and Manson's back, this team has as good a shot as any team to come out of the West. Like they are the favorites in the West. Yeah, there's a reason why the betting odds are still have the Avs a second to win the Stanley Cup. This team is good when they're when they're healthy and that boost that Gabe Landeskog is going to bring back to that lineup. Like I'm already envisioning that if the abs play game one at ball arena and Landy's in the starting lineup, the ovation he's going to get is going to be one of the loudest of all time. The uh, intensity that that team is going to bring when he's oh, back yeah. on the, and you know, he's scoring, you oh, know, yeah. he's scoring a goal. The, Absolutely. That te- the vibes on the team are going to be completely unmatched. Well, and here's the thing, like, Sports are that weird thing where it's like, even I guess it's three years ago now in the bubble, Steven Samkos played what 10 minutes in that Stanley cup final. He scored a goal and the, that that was the energy jolt the bolts needed to, to win the cup. Like that's what a player can bring to this team. Um, so I really do think that Landy coming back is going to be huge. Lecky coming back is going to be huge as my, my dog just domed herself on the table. Um, it is, it's really going to be, an interesting caveat into this Avs team. And I just need to see them fully healthy before I, before I really make any judgment on it. And who knows if we even get there, like who knows there's still nine games left in the season. There's a, the way some of these Avs are taking hits, like Miko Ranson in the ducks game looked like he broke his fucking collarbone Val in the wild game gets boarded from behind. And you're like, Jesus Christ, please just make it to the fucking playoffs, please. 
Um, so we'll have to see. But I I completely agree with you that until we see Gabe Landeskog out there, I'm not going to make any judgments about this team. Yeah, like it's when you really look at it and look at the injuries this team has had to deal with, the fact that we're in striking distance, like we're, we're talking about this team like they're hanging on to a wild card spot. They're still one of the top teams in the West and three points behind the wild right now. And it's still possible that they can do this, even with everything that they've dealt with this season. And if they do come into the playoffs fully healthy, a team like Dallas has not dealt with a lot of injuries this season. And injuries happen in the playoffs, as Calgary learned very painfully last year, as you cannot get through the playoffs unscathed. And the Avs are going to be very prepared for situations like that when guys eventually do go down in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, game like this is frustrating and does not get your hopes up for playing the Wild in a playoff series because you just see seven games of that where they're going to kick the crap out of you. It's not the same abs team that's going to play the wild in the playoffs. It's not even close. Not even close, but we'll see. We still got a couple weeks left of the regular season. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other, I mean, craziness in the, in the there, NHL. There is. There's some, there's still some abs stuff to yeah. talk about. The avalanche signed a player today. Oh yeah. And I know that this just pisses the league off so much. I hope I get his name right, but it's Jason Pollan from uh, Western Michigan, I believe, the top goal goal scorer in college hockey this season, signs a one-year deal with the Avalanche and is going to spend the rest of the season with the Eagles on a professional tryout, which I know other teams are seeing and are just like, God damn it. What <laughs> the hell does this keep happening? Who's letting these guys get these players? Like This is dumb. It's dumb, but we I feel like we said the same thing about Ben Myers last year, and Ben Myers has been in the AHL for majority of the year, so it's not a guarantee this guy's going to be good, but players want to come here. They, they want to come to Colorado. Um, I believe he can't play in the playoffs, right? It's the same thing as Ben no. Myers last year. Yeah, can't no, play. He can't, and he's not even he's not even contracted with the yeah. Avs at all. He's He is with the Eagles through and through. Yeah, so it could be a good depth signing for later in the future. It is very funny that they get the top undrafted free agent back-to-back years. Very funny. Um, Well, I mean, and this, when we complain about the prospect cupboard and everything and like, Oh, well they don't have prospect depth and no draft picks is that when you're a good organization and a desirable place to play, you're going to get players like this where you're going to find your Ben Myers and your Jason Pollins where they want to come here. Are they going to be anything? Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe not. Not every college player turns out to be a star, especially the undrafted ones. I mean, who's who's the best undrafted college? Free oh agent? shit! I'm gonna have to think about that for a second. Like I, I remember that you remember the the Jimmy VC sweepstakes yeah. all those years ago, and the the superstar he turned into. He's turned into a serviceable player. Good serviceable player that's made his tours around the NHL. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a very rare case where it doesn't work out, but it's. It's just one of those like Jamie Ben went undrafted, didn't he? Or was he seventh round? I think he was a very late pick. Yeah, he may have been seventh round. Was Joe Pavelski drafted? Yeah, he was drafted in the seventh round too. You're you're testing my trivia off the top of my head at two um, in the morning, man. I, I know. know it is currently two fifteen in the morning for yeah. me. Yeah. Do not ever question my dedication to this pod. Yeah. Even I don't still, think so. But like, even if it doesn't, who cares? It's a free guy free flyer for next year, a guy who's going to fight for a roster spot. It's not a guarantee still that Ben Myers is not going to be anything with this team. 
you give him a full year in the AHL this season and another year to work with the skills coaches in the off season. Maybe he will be something next year. He's not going to be a star. Maybe Pollen's never going to be a star, but the fact that you're signing the the top goal scorer in college hockey this season is still a, a very positive development shows that players want to come here. And if he works out awesome, you got him for free and you just have him and no one else does. And if he doesn't, okay, you didn't lose anything. Yeah. Speaking of college, like I, I know it's Connor Bedard or bust for the first pick, but whoever gets the second pick and can draft Adam Fantilli out of Michigan is going to get a very good fucking hockey player. <laughs> that kid, he is, he leads the nation in points as a freshman. He had like 62 points in like 30 games. Like he is gross. So even if like the top two picks, this could be reminiscent of McDavid Eichel, I, I believe in, in the draft. Like it, this is going to be, the top two picks are going to be crucial because Fantilli from Michigan, he fucking kicks ass, dude. Like he kicks so much ass. I mean, the the top four of this draft is so loaded. I mean, Bedard is gonna change the fortune of a franchise. Fantilli is gonna be a fantastic player. Leo Carlson is gonna be a very good player as well. Matvey Michkov is probably gonna be the most fascinating player of the last several drafts because mm-hmm. you don't even know if he's coming. <laughs> like you don't you don't know when he's gonna play for you. And also, like, I didn't even realize this. He's is he still under 150 pounds? Like that guy's got to put on some muscles. I think so. Yeah, but it, it the the draft is going to be. We're gonna look back on this draft and be like, holy fuck! Like it's gonna be like the 2015 draft again. Yeah, where you see Miko Ranson and go 10th overall, Sebastian Ajo's in the second round, and anything like whoever gets Connor Bedard. Like I don't really think you can stress enough how important this draft lottery is for whoever ends up winning it. And getting Fantilli is a hell of a consolation. Yeah, he'd be the number one pick in any other draft. Oh my God, yeah. Like if if the Caps end up getting the second overall pick, I would be perfectly fine with whoever got first overall just because we would get Adam Fantilli, yeah. he, who is going to be such a good player. It's also funny because there's so many teams that don't want to get Connor Bedard for several different reasons because you have like the Blues and the Blackhawks in here. And they also, you don't want to go to Canada because they have Matthews and McDavid. And if you want the game to grow in the States, you need an American star, but you also don't want him on the West coast because you want him to be on in prime time. You also don't want him to go to Arizona because you don't want him to play it in a 5,000 seat arena for the world's premiere. The perfect <laughs> spot for him would be the Buffalo Sabres, but it's just not going to happen. And they're not going to happen. I, I think I'd want him to go to San Jose, which I know is directly hypocritical to what I just said. But I think having him in a California market, that or Anaheim, would probably end up being really good because obviously California, big market. I still think Columbus would be awesome for him too. I think it would be too. I wouldn't love having to deal with him for the next 20 years in the the Metropolitan as a Caps fan, but Columbus would be very cool as yeah. well. But there but, is, you know, there's one team that I think he would look very, very nice in a certain red team in the nation's capital that currently has a 3% chance at getting him and is apparently going to stop at nothing at getting every meaningless point they can so that they get as little chance as possible to get this guy because they went to a shootout against the Islanders today after they had their playoff hopes ended against the Penguins. It's over. We're not making the playoffs. Why are we still doing this? Why are we still trying to get points? But still, if he does go to Washington, that'd be be draft rigged, draft rigged. I don't care. Good. 
Rigged for my team. Awesome. Yeah. But another NHL news, a team that's trying their best to miss the playoffs is the Winnipeg Jets. Like they are, they are trying their best. Um, and it seems like it's going to be Calgary or Winnipeg as that eight seed. And Winnipeg lost three nothing to San Jose last night on home ice. You, you can't lose that game. To San Jose, three nothing. Two times they've lost to him. Yeah. To and for context, the Sharks with that win finally hit twenty wins on the yeah. season. Twenty in game seventy three, they hit twenty wins, and they shut out the Jets three to nothing. The Jets who are just trying so hard to miss the playoffs right now. They are giving the spot away. And you know what the most hilarious part is? They still have more wins than Dallas. Yep. They still have one more win than Dallas right now. And I cannot wait for Calgary to make it in and Winnipeg to miss when right now Winnipeg has seven more wins than the Flames because the loser point is so unbelievably broken. That may be the change we need to change everything. So. Dallas has 14 loser points. Calgary has 15. Winnipeg has three. And that is probably going to end up being the difference. Not that Winnipeg right now deserves to make the playoffs, but if they end the season with more wins than Dallas, which is starting to seem a little unlikely, but if they do end Calgary, who would end up passing them, they would have a case that for to go to the league, it'd be like, hey, guys, uh, this is bullshit. This is big time. Absolutely bullshit. fucking ridiculous that we're missing the playoffs when we have more wins than these teams. We could be talking on Sunday's episode or Monday's episode because the Flames play the Canucks on Friday and the Jets play the Red Wings. It could be tied going into. Well, look, at, in. look at April 5th. Calgary oh. and Winnipeg are playing each other. I mean. And look who they and look who they play after that. <laughs> the Jets have two games in a row where they play Calgary and Nashville. Your your playoff hopes are in your own hands. If you miss the playoffs, it is your fault. Play Dude, it it's, Nashville has the inside track, which is crazy to say. Which is they crazy have two because games like they still, they haven't been that good lately. No, like it's not like they're just on a heater. They've won three of their last six, seven recently. Where they they beat Boston, which is so annoying because I bet on Boston. <laughs> which if that if that does not prove that I just can't bet, I don't know what does. But they they lost to Toronto, they lost to Seattle after they beat Seattle, and they got blown out by the Rangers. They've lost to the Jets before and Chicago. Like they're not a good team. Like, if there was one thing we nailed in the preseason, it was the National Predators. They are oh the definition of mediocrity. I mean, like they are almost perfectly mediocre. They're going to finish above what I thought, which is 82 points. I thought they were just going to be 500 across the board. They're going to somehow end up finishing above that. If they get in. That's hilarious. That is very funny because they're going to get killed. Oh, yeah. Not good. Well, if UC Soros stays healthy, they could get one. Even that, like he's been fine this season, like. If he's good, it gives them a chance to steal a game. But this is worse than the team that made the playoffs oh, last yeah. year. And we beat – and, like, Saros has been a 9-15. Like, he's been fine. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But it, it's it will well, be very funny if Calgary makes it after all the is, shit. Isn't Matt Duchesne out for the year? Like Maybe. I, I saw something about that. And isn't – it was jo- I think it's Johansson who's out for yeah. the year. Matt Duchesne is not out for the year, but he's hurt. Like, Johansson's done for the year. If this team gets in, 
with the the picks that they've just acquired. Like they have the Oilers pick. They traded Eckholm. <laughs> and they traded Niederreiter too. And they traded Niederreiter to the Jets. Yeah. Very funny, so dude. Funny. But oh, it's going to be fun. I don't think I have much else for this episode. Uh, I mean, do we want to talk about the brilliance of the NHL minds, the the massive brains on the people who run the NHL who are trying to market the game and think of really clever and creative ways to market the game. And someone, according to Darren Dreger, according to NHL Watcher on Twitter, multiple layers of he said, she said, but still the exact tweet Dreger on insider trading says the NHL may be looking at new ways to market the game next year. One idea is to have a weekday where all 32 teams play targeting early in the season for this. My response to this was, does anybody involved in any of these discussions actually think ever? How the hell is that a marketing strategy? And how the hell do you think that does anything? I I don't think it's a terrible idea. Doing it in the early part of the season is terrible. We talked about it when they had the All-Star break and it was the week before the Super Bowl. Um, if you would have done like a Saturday where you start games at like 11 a.m. and you just stagger games throughout the day, that would have been fucking awesome. Like that would be great because everyone's missing football. You have the stage all to yourself. I don't hate the idea, but doing it in the early part of the season in the most meaningless games is dumb. But like 16 games on the same day, though, like there's no way you can stagger all of those. No, there's no way you can stagger yeah, them. But if you you're ESPN if you're ESPN or TNT and you can get like do it on a day where you do like a stadium series. And that's the one game that gets played at night is the stadium series or the winter classic. There's an opportunity. I think the idea is good. See, it's well, just, well, well, you're thinking logically the NHL is just thinking, well, if we just have everyone playing, everyone can watch all of the teams play. Yeah. They're not thinking of the fact that no one can fucking watch games. You can't even watch the games anyway. It doesn't matter. Second of all, how many games can you watch at once? I can watch four. Yeah, you can watch four. <laughs> if I watch on my Xbox, I can watch four at a time. That's 16. So it doesn't matter if they're all playing at the same time. Third of all, who cares? <laughs> who genuinely cares if all the teams are playing at the same? Do you think a casual fan is going to be like, oh, this is the day? All of them are playing at the same time. I can't wait to check the NHL app and check what the scores are. Like it's it doesn't work that way. No. Who run this league are cavemen. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, but I I think it's I like the idea. Do I think it's the best way to improve fan engagement? No. It's, it's just the but, fact that that is even like a thing that like this is it. We've done it. We figured it out. This is the one. We've, Do you remember when NBC was doing it, like how big of a deal it was, like Hockey Day in America? That was one of my I, favorite I, days of the year. And they still do it, I yeah. think, every now and then. Like they have a day where they stagger the start times. But the thing is, you just need a day where you have like three really important games, like three to five really big games from one to ten. And you have at least three of them on national TV, like important games, not like Chicago, New York, like important playoff implication games, right? Like imagine a day where you start with Pittsburgh and Philly. And in the middle of the day, you get Toronto, Montreal. And later in the day, you get 
nights. Like what's what's a good late night ride? Like you Avs Minnesota. That says uh, Edmonton Calgary. Yeah, Edmonton Calgary. I already used the Canadian example, but yeah, Edmonton Calgary for the late night. Maybe throw the Avs and Wild in there for Mountain Time. Like just pure unadulterated hatred and rivalries, and you do your best to predict which matchups are going to be the most important. Like that, like, and you only need like five of those for that. You don't need all sixteen t- games at on at the same time. As a guy with a gambling addiction, that is my dream to have all sixteen games. But that's just me. That's just me. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting idea. Um, the NHL talks about rivalries. They want rivalries like that. That would be a perfect opportunity to just have a rivalry day. Like, just call it the rivalry day. Like. Have, like don't even do it on one day like have like once or twice a month have like rivalry day or a saturday one or two saturdays a month you just have blood feuds all day from one to ten look we've been doing this conversation for five minutes and we did it we already came up with a better idea came up with a better idea it'd be the nhl tries so hard because hockey night in canada is do fucking they, do awesome. they try hard do they really try, do they try that hard no, I mean they don't. But the thing is, is like I, I like, what's the best way to put this? Um, the NHL is not smart. We we know that. We do know that. But there is an opportunity. Like what I love what NBC did. Like you remember they they used to have like rivalry night Wednesday. Like NBC marketed Wednesday the game Wednesday better. night rivalry. Yeah, they marketed the game better. Um, and they made Which is these crazy like, to say because they didn't, but they still managed to do it better than what's being done right now. Right, and it, it's the reason why hockey's kind of dying. Um, not dying. It, it, there's more people playing it. There's just not it's, enough people watching. It's stagnant, it. which is based stagnancy is death. Yeah, I mean, we hockey's fallen to the fifth most popular sport in America. The fact, that, the fact that MLS is even a conversation with the NHL is a complete failure. Yes. So. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what the the NHL does to improve fan engagement, but this is not the best idea. No. No. And it makes, if that's the one that got out, it makes me wonder what the other ones were. Oh yeah. I I also want to know who came up with this idea because I would bet my life savings that he is no younger than 60 years old. hundred percent. Yeah. I'd even go as far as say 70. Yeah. I, I bet you the idea is like maybe we can do like a red zone. Like if you have every game, and it's just like a red zone where it's just like you get to watch like goals from every game. It's like red zone, but like the games are randomly blacked out when they yeah. still do it. It's like San Jose versus Anaheim in the day, and you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, they, they so. cut to a game and it just it's a region blackout, and you have to wait until they cut back before you can yeah. watch games again. Yeah, that's NHL right there. Yeah, but uh, I'm glad we got that rant off, but I feel better now. So yeah. well, now, now I'll be able to like at least sleep. At least, there we uh, go. That's what I appreciate about episodes like this, where I don't have to go to bed with that much like contempt in me. Yeah. I have you a, go to bed happy. I have a conniption staring at the ceiling. So, it, like, yeah, it's two thirty in the morning right now, and I still have to edit this and get up early for school. Who cares, right? But it's all fine. So, as much as I'd love to go on a rant for three more hours, I do have to sleep eventually so i think we're about ready to wrap this one up here unless you've got anything to to drop on us last second uh totally off topic i i found out my dog i took her to the vet uh when we adopted her we thought she was eight uh it turns out uh she's 14 um so yeah that 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 was a news drop on me um very funny that the adoption paperwork was that wrong (laughs) but my dog that i thought was 11 is even more senior than i thought so 
makes totally off topic, but um, yeah, my, my, my old girl, she's definitely my old lady now, but uh, she's got queen bill health. She's good. It was just, the doctor was like, Hey, uh, how old is your dog? I was like 11. And she goes, yeah, no, I'd estimate no. she's probably 14 or 15. I was like, Oh, great. That great probably, to hear. That probably makes more sense. I mean, in, in dog age related news, uh, Miss Daisy, who's currently sleeping on her bed next to me, had her birthday the other day. She turned 13. So she's uh, an older girl now. Dude, I have to give uh, my dog, Edgy. she's taking a steroid. Um, and one of the she's side six. effects is, is she could get roid rage. My dog could get roid rage, <laughs> which is very funny to think about, right? Like Of all the things you were going to say, I was right. not expecting roid rage. She could get roid rage. It's literally a, like, like a side effect on it. it, it I, when I read that, I was like, this is this is hilarious. Like, you've met my dog. She is like the calmest dog on That's the face of the planet. That's why I'm laughing because yeah. I'm picturing Iggy as like a bull. Just like just running raged out walls man. and like taking out people's feet. Yeah. <laughs> I know we I, don't. I know we. Don't I wouldn't want to be a. a I wouldn't want to be one of her toys. Oh my god! I know we don't talk about our dogs often on this show, but when I was in Colorado for the play, Iggy is like the sweetest yeah. dog on the the planet, even if she is a bit of a scary cat. So now that you. <laughs> roid rage bro my dog's got roid rage because <laughs> I, I i don't think the mic picked it up but i said oh she's juicing yeah so yeah she's got roid rage now yeah she's juicing man she's all roided up she's fucking she's fucking ready to go man so funny. yeah oh. this is what happens when it's 12 30 at night for me and 2 30 but uh oh my God, that's hilarious. yeah yeah my dog's roid raging so now we can send the people on their way oh my god i was not expecting <laughs> I don't know if I can do the outro now. I'll do. Oh my god, it's, that caught me off guard. I was not expecting that. But uh, God, God bless Miss Edgy, and yes. and hope your walls remain intact. And I hope your she does not take out your legs. <laughs> you never know, man. I don't give her a treat. You never know. Just, what the make, just make sure she stays away from like the weights. Yeah, right? Absolutely. If she's if she's doing too many push-ups or anything, you don't want her like challenging your authority. Yeah, I'll just get a treadmill for her and she can just fucking zoom on it, bro. But uh, yeah, so I got a roid rage dog and the abs lose. That's how my life's going so far. Yeah, sounds like a blast. I don't know. Yeah, it's sounds a great time. Good. So we're going to wrap this one up here. I'm sure me and Christian will talk off air about all the, the roid rage issues going to be going <laughs> through for the next little while. But Jesus Christ, that's absolutely hilarious i was not expecting that but again <laughs> thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the teledabs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network use promo code teledabs it is on SeatGeek for 20 dollars off your first order of 50 dollars or more you're gonna follow us on twitter you can follow me at g young's nhl you can follow christian at christian underscore belay and you can follow the show at tell it abs it is but again thank you all so very much for tuning in and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.